Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffith. Circle City Cinema. Loki recap for episode three. I'm your host, Zach Griffith, and I'm joined by the founder, Alex Burr, once again. Hello, hello, hello. I am very excited to be back for Loki episode three. Can't believe we're already halfway through the series, Zach Griffith. Halfway done. Halfway done. We're back in the Falcon and Winter Soldier mode. I know. Well, it, you know, it, it's kind of the same situation, too, where we didn't get to do the first week, and now we're... We've only done two pods, but we're already halfway done. It's it's just crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, episode three, I saw some people on Twitter saying it sucked, and that's just not, that's not true. I get it was slow. I get the ending was uh, what it was, but I didn't think it sucked by any means. Alex, where would you rank this episode, though, uh, among the three so far? Um, I mean... It's definitely at the bottom, but that's not like an indictment of the show. No, but it is at the bottom. We're, we're talking, right. And I think we brought this up during WandaVision and we brought this up during Falcon and the winter soldier. Like the, I think this and the training montage in episode five of Falcon and the winter soldier are things you can't, are moments you can't have in a movie. Right. It's good because you get to know the characters more. We had never met Sylvie before. We get to know her a lot more, even though a lot about her is still very mysterious. We learn a lot about we hell, we know Loki. We've known Loki on the screen for, you know, basically 10 years at this point. And we yeah. still learned we still learned about him in this episode. So was it like a classically entertaining episode of television? No. But like, okay, let's go to another show, right? a show that's regarded among the greats until, you know, famously the last two seasons I held in very low regard game of Thrones, right? Everyone always talks about the big things that happen, right? There's a lot of, you know, very famous character scenes of characters dying. I go back and watch those scenes often, but Zach, that show does not work without Tyrion and Varys talking in the, in the throne room, right? That show does not work without Cersei telling Ned that, you know, Cersei and Ned scene, right? In a very famous episode before um, other stuff happens. So this kind of stuff, yeah, it's not flashy. It's not memorable, but it's important to lay the groundwork for what is in the future. Now, only six episodes, but I still think since we're meet, Sylvie's a brand new character to us, we still needed this groundwork. We definitely did. And, you know, speaking of those scenes you're mentioning... This is the second straight episode we get Loki in a one-on-one sit-down that is deeper than it should be with another character. And, you know, spoiler alert, that's my pick. If you know which scene I'm talking about, that's my pick for the best scene in the, in the, uh, in the episode. And there's a lot of deeper meanings to that, um, a lot of insight onto Loki as a character. So we'll get into that later. But let's get into the plot. Or uh, No, I'm sorry. Good things we've seen lately, Alex. What do you got? So I'm starting my to get my life back to normal after my surgery. So I have not had as much time. I haven't had time to sit down and watch anything other than Loki this week. <laughs> but um, if I had time before this episode, I was going to watch Deadpool. So I'm just going to say Deadpool, even though I haven't watched it yet. It will be watched. By the time you're listening to this podcast, I will have watched Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, right before this, I caught the end of John Wick. First one. I've never seen John Wick. <laughs> I need to see it because it's it's right up my alley. You would love it. You would absolutely love it. It's. I mean, I won't talk about the ending, but uh, <laughs> like if you run into John Wick and he's pissed off at you, you're fucked. You're going to die. And you just seen <laughs> like there's well, a listen. scene, Alex, where he's going after the son tells his dad that John Wick's after him. And then the dad just pulls his son in and hugs him like like he's already dead. <laughs> I mean, I should I should know this movie is right up my alley. I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. We'll John be corrected will come for you. John will, will be corrected. <laughs> uh, and now this time the plot. Uh, so it starts off the variant Loki 
infiltrates the TVA agent's memory, uh, the one we saw a couple episodes back, uh, to get info on the timekeepers. Uh, it's an ability that uh, the Loki we know doesn't have. So that's, you know, these variants have different powers than the other ones. Uh, she ambushes the TVA agents and then fights Loki, and they escape to Lamentis One in the year 2077, which uh, is the site of guess what? An apocalypse. Uh, the Tempad, which they need to jump uh, from time frame to time frame, needs recharged. Should have uh, those intergalactic jumper cables. <laughs> a lot, a lot of wisecracks. Uh, at Loki's expense, actually. This, I mean, a lot of wisecracks in this episode in general, which are appreciated. Very appreciated. Very appreciated. And I guess it doesn't matter what look what Loki you are. You're good at wisecracking. Exactly. Something you're good at. Exactly. Uh, Loki and Sylvie team up in order to escape from the apocalypse. The variant Loki uh, says her name is Sylvie. She doesn't go by Loki anymore. Um, and then they run into a resident of Lamentis One who uh, kind of fucks them up. <laughs> <laughs> what a hilarious scene. We'll talk about that more later. Not even kind of. She just does. She puts them on their asses. <laughs> Dunks on them. Uh, Loki and Sylvie sneak onto the Ark, which is a vehicle that's loading people to get off of the uh, moon. And Loki poses as a guard. And Sylvie enchants a schmuck to get on the to get on the arc. Do you love any word more than you love the word schmuck? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. Schmuck is a very special word. It's a great word, but I've never heard anyone use it as much as you have. <laughs> Listen, it's it's part of cinema. It's part of the cinema lexicon. All right, schmuck, oh, of course, schnook, uh, Sh- cuck. <laughs> But he you was really, a schmuck, Alex. You really like insults that end in the word K, I think is something I'm I'm gathering here. Much as uh never mind, never mind. I'm not gonna make that joke. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. <laughs> but he was a schmuck. He got owned in seconds. Oh yeah. You know, Sylvie's <laughs> just that powerful. What is there to say? <laughs> I'm not denying that he's a schmuck. I'm just making the observation that you love the word schmuck. I do. It's a good observation. It's a, it's right. <laughs> Uh, Loki and Sylvia have the heart to heart. This one I talked about. We'll dive into that. And Loki gets plastered. <laughs> he gets drunk. Have we ever seen him drunk, Alex? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Unless it happened in the dark world, in which case I definitely have never seen him get, get drunk. Now he's been drunk on power before. Yes. But never just incapacitated. Whatever uh, champagne they have on Lamentus One, that's some good shit to get Loki drunk. Yeah, I don't know what's in that thing. The bartender knew what he was doing that night. He was like, I'm going to get this dude messed up. And he did. Uh, Loki's Loki and Sylvie, their cover is blown, and they're thrown off the arc during a fight. Uh, the Tempad is destroyed, so they're fucked. Loki and Sylvie decide to hijack the arc to get off the moon. Sylvie explains how she can enchant others, something Loki can't do. And Sylvie reveals... Uh, kind of nonchalantly reveals a pretty big piece of information. All the TVA agents are also variants and they were not specifically created for their jobs like Loki believed. And Loki reveals something to Sylvie here in that they didn't know that they were humans or they didn't know that they're variants. Yeah, they they didn't know. They thought they were humans. Um, Wasn't the case. So the timekeepers keeping some secrets. Uh, as people do. Loki and Sylvie don't reach the Ark, and it is destroyed. little cliffhanger ending for us all. So let's start at the top. Sylvie infiltrates the TVA, Alex. Uh, gun to your head, is she more powerful than Loki? Uh, maybe. And here's why I say maybe. Like, are we sure Loki can't do what Sylvie can do? Like... There's a very real possibility he's playing dumb, right? And I mean, maybe, right? He didn't need to enchant people in the same way that Sylvie does. He could mind control him. Exactly. He mind controlled uh, Barton. But he That's couldn't the... like put his... Like, she's putting her subconscious into somebody else. He can't do that. But I think I think they both can do things the other can't do. 
right? Right. It's kind of like if you put Ben Simmons and Steph Curry together, you create a monster player, right? And obviously <laughs> it's not the same. It's not like one-to-one there because obviously different basketball players, but Loki and uh, Sylvia, are bas- I mean, they're, it's basically, they're the same person. So yeah, it makes sense that, you know, one from one dimension wouldn't be as great as one from another. So would be great as uh, one thing is uh, like our Loki isn't as great as Sylvia is at enchanting, but Loki at the very end of the episode, like pushes the building up with his magic. Right. So like, are we sure Loki even used his full powers in New York? <laughs> and he had an army too. And he, he had an infinity stone. He could hold back. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, here's new take, new retroactive take. Loki choked the Battle of New York. <laughs> Loki was the 2016 Warriors and he choked. Listen, I don't think that's a terrible. I don't think that's like a right out of the oven take. I think that's fair. He, listen, Thanos a, gave him an army. He was like, hey, it, I'm, I'm not an, using them right now. Take them. An alien army. You have an infinity stone. He has the mind stone, right? So what he has? Uh, Space stone. The that's space right. stone. Yeah. So. He has an infinity stone that he's wielding, right? And then the, he gets taken down by six people. Now is one of those six people the Hulk? Yes. Yeah, sure. But he gets taken down by six people. He blew like a thousand to six lead. That's worse than the Warriors. Steph Curry would look at that and be like, thank God someone blew it worse than I did. He blew it to, I mean, let's see. Stark, Black Widow, Hawkeye. They're all pretty, they're all humans. Right. I know Stark mm-hmm. has all the gear and shit, but he's human. Cap is like a notch above human. Hulk is Hulk. And I'm giving Loki the advantage over Thor because he knows how Thor thinks. Exactly. That advantage. So, and S.H.I.E.L.D., like, come on, what is S.H.I.E.L.D. going to do against Asgardians? Oh, <laughs> Natasha was their best, and she even she was struggling. And S.H.I.E.L.D., as we come to learn, are a bunch of fucking liars. I bet you S.H.I.E.L.D. was on Loki's side, and they still blew it. <laughs> blew it. Sixers, Hawks, blew it. Um, our Loki with the, uh, with the scepter is to Ben Simmons on the baseline uh... with the opportunity to go up for the dunk. <laughs> so he passed it. <laughs> I had to get that retroactive take, that nine-year-old take out of my head. <laughs> and then we learn uh, later on in Homecoming that it might not even be nine years old because who knows how time works in the Spider-Man thing, in the Spider-Man part of the MCU. <laughs> yeah, that didn't make sense because Homecoming, or yeah, that would have been Homecoming. Homecoming would have came out in like 2017. It did. Bat- yeah. Battle of New York canonically happened in 2012. So when the fuck was Spider-Man Homecoming sent? Set. 2020, I think. But they skipped 2020 on the timeline. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Phase one, I know, goes in order of when the movies are actually released. And then... Phase three, they were just like, you know what, time, it's going to get fucked up anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're just saying, fuck it. <laughs> Feige said, fuck it. Um, the F in Feige stands for fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I'm glad you said they're the same person because they are, but they're different beings, if that makes any sense. They're mm-hmm. different, they have different abilities. So who's to say Loki can't learn how to enchant somebody? And I bet you he will. Sylvie can't learn how to do the the firework thing. You know. I, I bet you he will know how to enchant people by the end of the by the end of the season. Does if he, he doesn't already her? know how, will he enchant her? Who's to say? We don't know. We'll what a blank! Cross. What a blank canvas we have with this show. Halfway done, folks. Halfway done. Um. It should be said, when they get on Lamentis, Lamentis 1, Sylvie says it's the worst apocalypse Loki could have picked. And I think that says a lot. Because <laughs> she's an expert on apocalypses. And she was like, this is the absolute worst one you could have picked. 
I mean, I mean, listen, Loki didn't really choose anywhere. He just pressed the button on the thing. Let's not get mad at Loki here. He didn't really do that much wrong. He was just trying to get out. He was about to have his throat cut. Exactly. By Sylvie. <laughs> Sylvie. Sylvie and the Not Understanding Context Award Collision Course. <laughs> well, she might have been doing you a favor because his throat was going to get crushed later on anyway. So whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Thanos, good times. Uh, so the Tempad needs recharge, so they can't just leave uh, like Sylvie wants to. They team up. Which, uh, the team-up lasted a lot longer than I anticipated, Alex. I thought at some point they would split off, but it didn't happen. Someone's going to cross someone, right? It's not, it's not in Loki's nature, Loki or Sylvie. But again, we've established basically the same, but in different, you know, different forms. But it's not in Loki's nature not to cross. So someone's going to get crossed at some point. And I'll be curious to see who does the crossing, is uh, the TVA involved? We didn't talk about this at the top, Zach. No Mobius in this episode. None. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the only Mobius was uh, in the recap at the beginning where he's just screaming, no, Loki, no. <laughs> <laughs> they confirmed that Loki wasn't going to say wow in this whole series, or Mobius wasn't going to say wow in this whole series. I was very sad. Not going to lie. Yeah, that's lame. They they give us all this fan service, but they won't give us this. You fuckers. <laughs> also notable about this episode, they never flash back to what's going on in the TVA once Loki and Sylvie get on Lamentis. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they kept it pretty singularly focused. This was a pretty short episode. Yeah, it was. The last I think, two episodes, I think, I think the shortest. I think the last two episodes were. 45 minutes long because you know the credits are seven minutes long so you have to do some quick math i think the first one might have been like almost an hour long and then this one was only like 35 minutes yeah so it was the shortest um shortest one so far um the variant loki reveals she's going by sylvie i wonder if we're gonna get a reason why that is um but we'll see i've heard some theories that Sylvie is the name of the Enchantress who is not who I believe thought she was Loki Mm. but is not Loki like Loki came down to Earth yes so who's to say where it'll go you know Marvel kind of takes matters into their own hands sometimes or the MCU does (laughs) Mandarin yes well I'm not going to say anything, but let's just, let's just move on to the next topic. <laughs> uh, I'm still sour about it. Uh, I'm just checking the coupling, making sure it can connect. Fucking, fucking with Loki. <laughs> Pathetic attempt <laughs> to, to get him to just hand the temp pad over. <laughs> it, okay. You know what this show is kind of like? What's that? I, so... It'd be like, I believe Hans Landa is the name of the character from uh, Inglorious Bastards, right? Yes. It'd be like if Hans Landa had to deal with another Hans Landa. Wow. Like, I like that. It's a chess match. It's always a chess match. And she's, at this point, she's trying to see if she has, if, if Loki has his guard down. But Loki calls Sylvia on her bullshit and is like, hey, you know. Hannibal versus Hannibal. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, it's really a nice element of this show, and I, you know, every like basically Mobius and Sylvie and Loki are having a giant game of chess, right? I don't think they all know it. There's just bas- that's basically all the series has been so far. Yeah, and this was a good example of it. Loki was never going to fall for it, but at least Sylvie tried. Mm-hmm. Give her credit for the effort, but. Lamentis one resident, we talked about him, fucks Loki and Sylvie up. They got shown up here. Loki even disguised himself as uh, what we can assume was her dead husband. And it didn't work. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he goes on some spiel about how he loves her and she goes, he hadn't said it to me in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> he never talked that nice. 
<laughs> oh. was yeah they've got fucked pretty easily listen any gun that you have that can take down two gods well we don't know if sylvie is a god but loki's a god so any gun that you have that can take down a god i gotta have it i'm gonna get my hands on that i'm gonna go to lamentis one i'm gonna steal that gun unfortunately she that... probably died you'll probably <laughs> can we assume sylvie's a god i don't know like she barely gave us any information about herself in this episode other than that she was adopted which they have in common yes but we don't know who she was adopted by yeah i mean who knows it could have been you know odin adopted adopted quotes mm-hmm. loki um and maybe he's just some random guy adopted sylvie who knows maybe it wasn't odin Maybe they pulled a Harry Potter, but they never came back and sent him uh, sent Sylvie her letter to Hogwarts. <laughs> Uncle Vernon raised her. She was... Dude, okay. I was at my mom's a couple of weeks ago, and they were, were, they were binging uh, the Harry Potter movies, right? And making Harry Potter live in a fucking, you know, under a staircase... Should be a crime. <laughs> it should have been a, the Dursley should have been charged for a crime. Listen, CPS is better than what it used to be. Okay, I don't know how it well, works overseas, but I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> the English don't seem like they much care about their children. So <laughs> all I know is Dudley had the high life. That's all I know. Yeah, Dudley was getting spoiled and shit, while Harry was having to go out and save the world every day, like. Dudley, you fuck. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Dudley sucks. Bottom yes. line. Dudley sucks. Although they did cut out a scene of the uh, the first seventh movie. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gave Dudley it, some humanity. Yes. It's it's a nice scene, but they yeah. did cut that out. <laughs> it's a shame. Dudley was never. But it's not him. like. I don't think people that hated Dudley Dursley were going to be swayed by that uh, that apology. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> no, they weren't. They weren't. Um, Loki and Sylvie sneak onto the Ark. This is a, a, a... It's just a funny scene. Loki poses as the guard. It works. It almost doesn't work. But then Sylvia enchants the aforementioned schmuck and they get on. And it was awesome. Well... It was awesome from that perspective, but it was honestly horrifying from this perspective, right? They were going out of their way, right? They Disney is very good with their subtitles. They show what they want you to hear. And like all you the people are like, yeah, they're like, you only care about the rich. You only want the rich to get on this train. It seemed like the only people that were getting on that train were rich. Disney's one to talk, by the way. Yes, but... <laughs> We're not here to talk about uh, a monopoly's hypocrisy here today, Zach. That, that's a longer, longer pod for a different day. But <laughs> yes, you could tell like, oh, you know, only the rich are getting on. You know, they don't care about us poors, basically. And I thought that was, you know, it was a good scene for like Loki. But I don't think they I don't think the creators of the show did that on accident. Right. I think they did that on purpose for sure. Definitely not. I mean, uh, Kate Heron, who's the showrunner and directs all the episodes. You can just tell from some quotes she's had about other things happened in this episode that uh, we can probably guess that the things you heard on the arc were intentional. Yes. Yes, very much so. I, I wanted to point that out because I thought that that was a fascinating. That's not something you hear very often in a superhero film or superhero content, really. You don't hear how, because these these were these worlds, right, are intentionally very insular. You know, even to go back to Game of Thrones, they don't focus on common folks in Game of Thrones. No, all the people you focus on in Game of Thrones are born into royalty, like every single one of them. Now, there's varying levels of royalty, but they're all royalty for the most part. Like they have castles. You never get anything about the common folk. So, it's an interesting perspective to have in a show like this where a lot of shows like this and just a lot of shows in general don't have set in like, you know, time eras like this don't have common folk perspective. Yeah. I mean, one scene that does, does come to mind from another movie was, uh, 
Batman Begins, where Rachel takes takes Bruce on a ride under the bridge, and they see all the like what the what the crime has caused, I guess, or what the city has caused with all the homeless people under the bridge. But even then, it's not explicitly said like, "Hey, the wealthy run things here." Mm-hmm. Where well, is, you want to talk about not being one to talk, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Let's move on because we're we're getting off the tracks here. Where is Bruce without inheritance? I mean, he's just a guy with karate lessons. Is he under the bridge? Probably just a guy under the a homeless guy under the bridge with karate lessons. That's all he is. (laughs) Maybe a a Green Lantern ring would have found him. Who knows? Who's to say? Maybe maybe an alternate universe. Who knows? Uh, and then I want to talk about, before we talk about the heart to heart that Loki and Sylvie have, we were talking about the chemistry between Hiddleston and Owen Wilson last week and Sophia DiMartino, who plays, uh, Sylvie breakout star, by the way, of this show, I think it's fair to say, and Tom Hiddleston, I want to talk about their chemistry. I don't think it's on the Owen Wilson level, but it's, it's, there's definitely chemistry. Yeah, Sophia DiMartino is great. Um, I texted you earlier in the week that Natalie Dormer should be pissed that they wasted her in the... Um, More than waste- wasted. Yeah. Like, pissed we, her saw, away. we saw in Game of Thrones. And I don't think she was that big of an actress by the time the first Avenger came out. Like, I don't think... I didn't even think season two had come out for Game of Thrones. There's a bit part in first mm-hmm. Avenger. But Marjorie Tyrell is one of the best characters in the whole show. Um... Before she, you know, before the character, never mind. <laughs> I was going to spoil, but um, I mean, Sophia DiMartino kind of is a dead ringer. L- l- just looks like an older version of Natalie Dormer. Yeah. And Natalie Dormer's agent, she should fire her agent. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to give it away. Natalie Dormer is my big loser of the week. <laughs> wow. Because I think Sophia DiMartino is great. Don't get it twisted. But like I see, you know what I saw in Game of Thrones, and I'm Damn. like, this this is the perfect, like it's perfect, Zach. Like based on what we saw as Marjorie, she's perfect for this role, and it's a shame that she didn't get it. It is a shame that, I mean, like I said, she was pissed away in First Avenger. If you don't know, she was in First Avenger. It's a really specific scene, but she was. <laughs> The blonde chick that tried to seduce uh, Steve in like after a mission or something. It's like really, it's like really specific. It's, she had no bearing on the movie at all. It was just like, what? Why? She could have been. She could have done something. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to Sophia DiMartino. She is younger than Natalie Dormer. Two year age difference. So. One could understand how I make the mistake, but um, I think that like having that small role in the, you know, in the MCU, it kind of fucked her to me. Like she, you know, Natalie Dormer could have been such like a big, you know, part of the MCU going forward. She's such a talented actress. I just, I just wish she had the part, but I understand, like, I'm not hating on Sophia DiMartino at all. She's great in this in this episode, like really good. Yeah. And to bring it back to, the I know original, what you're saying to go back to the original question. Hiddleston to me is a very easy actor to be in a scene with. It would seem like he and Hemsworth have great chemistry. Him and Robert Downey have great chemistry. Like he can Hiddleston to me is kind of like a glue guy after glue guy, right? You give him good material and you give him someone to work with and it'll be very compelling. And this is very compelling. And I I think that his scenes, the way he talks, it makes it easy. The way he talks, it's easy to talk to him. And it allows the other actors and actresses to shine. Is he Jay Crowder? He can play with anyone. Well, I mean, is this the equivalent of him making his uh, third conference finals in a row? <laughs> yes. So I would I would say so. Jay Crowder is, pretty, is a pretty good comparison. Well, he had Ragnarok. Which I would say is the conference finals. He had Infinity War slash Endgame conference finals, and he has this. 
And then the Avengers. And the Avengers. You know, like, I think that Hiddleston just gets the most out of the people he's in a scene with. And I think that's really beneficial to the people he's in the scenes with. And I think Sofia DiMartino is great. And I think Hiddleston is great. And I think that's why it works. I, I think it sometimes it's that simple. You know what I mean? Greatness matches greatness, folks. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is. Um, so then we get this heart to heart, which was uh, honestly the story of the episode and maybe the show so far. Um, they talk about their mothers. Uh, Frigga is brought up. Loki's mom. Loki and Thor's mom who died. Uh, to this point, this Loki uh, has not seen her die. In, in real life, but he's seen it in a in like a clip in episode one. Uh, tears up talking about her. Talks about how she never gave up on him, and does the firework thing with his hands that she taught him. Um, talks about past loves and how he never had a true one. Uh, just great insight on the mother son relationship between them, between Frigga and Loki. Yeah, and it's and... Like something we didn't get in the Thor movies. No, well. Here's a question I had for you, Zach. And I've heard other people on other podcasts bring this up. It's a really interesting point to me. So at this point in our timeline, right, our MCU timeline, Loki has just finished the Battle of New York, right? But for most of this series, Tom Hiddleston has done the Loki that we've developed from. Absolutely, yes. I know. From, you know, the later movies. Here's my question to you. From Ragnarok. Yeah. Does it make sense, the progression, like... Does it make sense to you that he sees the way his life plays out and he basically does a character 180? Like, does that make sense to you? I'm, I'm, I'm just asking you from like a pure... Because it doesn't bother me, but I know some people it kind of is bothering. No, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, <laughs> he saw his mom die, right? He saw himself die. <laughs> he saw his planet die. I think that would change a man. <laughs> As it changed him later on. Yes. Because as soon as his mom dies at the end of Dark World or in Dark World, that's that is that's when I usually point to when I say, okay, here's where it changed for Loki. He wasn't all the way, you know, good yet, but he he wasn't bad either. He wasn't all the way bad. So I think it makes sense. Seeing those three things happen, Asgard, Frigga, himself all die it makes sense to me i get why people have a problem with it i can see people saying you know it's just a cop out to get back to the loki we had the past couple years but i think it makes sense i don't think it's far-fetched at all what do you think it's hard to have a hundred percent continuity in a series in a in a franchise that's gone over at this point in in like two years in two or three years it'll be 15 years of the mcu in two years, it'll be 15 years of the MCU. It's hard to have 100% continuity, right? And plus, I'm going to be honest with you, Zach. I like Ragnarok Loki a lot more than I liked Avengers Loki. Just yeah, everybody did. Yeah. So I'm not mad about it. You know what I mean? And I, this is my thing. I understand. It made sense that he was acting like a pompous ass until he saw his, you know, what he did to Frigga. And even that didn't stop him from acting like a complete ass. But then when he saw his own death, you know, saw, you know, Odin's death, saw, saw Ragnarok. Um, yeah, it makes sense why he's not the same character that he was in 2012. Like, it makes sense that, okay, maybe I need to change some things because this I'm going to die pretty soon. Right. <laughs> like, six years is not a long time <laughs> for when he's going to die. So... I understand it. I'm not mad at it at all. I think it's a, you know, a pretty good change if I have to be hundred percent honest. So I understand why people are upset, but I, I just can't get behind it. And plus, like I said, I like this version of Loki a lot more. Yeah. I think, uh, to be honest, I just think that's nitpicking when you, when you say, well, he just came from losing the battle of New York. Well, why are we getting Ragnarok Loki? Loki? Well, we're not, he's not all the way Ragnarok, but, He's clearly changed. So I, I just think it's a, a nitpick. Um, but Alex, this this heart to heart, I thought it was the best scene in the show. Uh, to this point, I thought it was definitely the best of the episode. 
Um, and definitely the story of the show so far. So a lot of uh, Hiddleston flexing his uh, acting chops, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the best actors use the, the quiet moments to get the most out of the scenes, right? Like yep. they can draw it out of, to go back to, you know, bring it back to Inglorious Bastards, right? What's the best part of Inglorious Bastards, everyone always says? It's the opening scene. And it takes, you know, 20 minutes to realize the full brilliance of it. But um, Christoph Waltz is basically just like keeping the same composure until, you know, he's slowly tightening his grip around the farmer's neck. And then the farmer is practically in tears by the time the conversation is done. And Waltz's face has barely changed. Are you sheltering enemies of the state? Yes. Or we... Uh, what a scene but yeah stuff you know I know what you're saying makes total sense and it definitely applies here because Hiddleston you know honestly I don't think a lot of people have seen him North American audiences anyway outside of the MCU movies he was in and he was in a really great series called The Night Manager which I saw season one of um he was in Kong Skull Island. It's probably the biggest movie he's been in outside of an MCU movie. But, you know, I just don't think a lot of people have seen him outside of outside of this. And we've been so spoiled with him because he's a great actor and we just see him as as Loki. Hiddleston starred with uh, starting a Woody Allen movie in 2011. Ah, uh, damn it. Not to kill the vibe completely, but... Which one? Uh, Midnight in Paris. Oh, yeah. That's actually a Woody movie I can uh, tolerate. Well, <laughs> I've never seen a Woody Allen movie, and after watching the uh, HBO documentary... You won't. I won't. <laughs> Woody, uh... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about Woody today. Uh, then we get Loki, drunk. And we get a nice homage to Thor. Another! <laughs> he smashes the glass. <laughs> Must be an Asgardian thing. What was the drink that he was saying paired well with the with the cracker and the oh, cheese? Oh, I can't remember. It was something port. Figgy port. <laughs> pairs very well with the figgy port. <laughs> I I love that whole sequence, but Sylvie though, he's plastered, but Sylvie is very much uh aware of what's going on and aware of what's bad is about to happen, I'll yeah. say. That they're all dancing, have a good time, and then their cover gets blown, and then they get thrown out of the train. Loki's got pipes. Loki's got pipes. He can sing. He absolutely does. He absolutely does. Uh, they're thrown off the arc, like we said. Uh, the tempad, which is literally the only thing they need, gets destroyed. Um, they come up with a plan or Loki does actually comes up with the plan to hijack the arc and get off the, get off the moon. And Alex, the one of the best action scenes of any of these shows we've had so far. Yeah, it was pure chaos. And cause you know, the show is going around to the, uh, these apocalypses. And it's really making you think about like how, you know, like over time, like I like I feel like the Pompeii sequence was played for laughs in the last episode, but like it was like if you think about it, it's horrifying, right? Like these people, Loki's telling them they're about to die. He's doing it freely, right? Yeah. And he's just saying it without a care in the world, and it's kind of a fucked up concept. And I think that that fucked up concept leads to the pure insanity of the uh, end sequence, right? Because these people, you know, they're terrified. Um, There's just a lot going on. They're fighting police officers who are trying to stave off, you know, these people that rightfully don't want to die. Yeah. It's a lot going on, but I think it works really well. That's that's what I'll say. It was one of the best uh, action scenes we've had in in the three uh, Disney Plus shows. But right before that, we had Sylvia explaining the the enchantment, which we touched on a little bit. She says she can easily overtake some, but others are still in there, which means subconscious while well, she's in there too. So she's like sharing a room with them. Um, I thought it was a pretty good explanation. 
I mean, taking Caleb Lynn's get a room to the completely next level. <laughs> get, Shout get out Caleb Lynn. Get a room. Get a room, Sylvie. Get a room. Um, I thought the the explanation she had was pretty good, right? And I'm sure if this, you know, let's just say somehow this is a thing in real life, it would be a lot more complex than that. But I'm not that smart. You know what I mean? I need a dumbed down explanation. And she gave a pretty dumbed down explanation and it worked. I got it. Gun to your head. Does Loki survive the series? Yes. I'm pretty sure they're doing Loki season two. Okay. What do you think? I'm going to say yes. I think it'd be a hard sell to kill him twice. (laughs) I mean, the only way I could see them not doing having Hiddleston around for season two is if they bring around a bunch of variants. Or if they just center it around her, around Sylvie. Could be too. We'll never know. But then I feel like it would be weird having it called Loki. But I don't think Hiddleston dies. I, I just can't see that happening. No. I don't think he does. Um, Sylvie, we touched on it, reveals all the TVA agents are variants. Uh, Alex, we can assume the timekeepers are just keeping this information from from the TVA employees. Yes, they are. But what's that one woman's name who is like kind of the inner, oh, the middle manager, let's Ren- say? Renslayer? Renslayer. She's definitely in on it. But... It makes sense why Owen Wilson or why Mobius loves uh why he loves jet skis the so jet skis. much. I had that in my notes here. Explains the jet skis from Mobius. Because he's like so obsessed with this. But if he was if Mobius wasn't, you know, a human, then and he was actually like, you know, molded like by the time slayers, like he said, or by the, the time slayers, by the timekeepers, like he said, then why would he be, why would he care about jet skis so much? And wasn't there another one, another instance of that where somebody like Renslayer and oh Renslayer and Amobius were talking about like the rings, the rings, yeah, yep. I think what if those are all of uh, Owen Wilson's possessions that he had on him? Like I saw some theories that Owen Wilson wasn't going to show up in the show anymore, and it's like okay. uh no, he's you're not. You don't. He's gonna be in more than two episodes. Okay, you don't pay Owen Wilson to not show up. <laughs> so, I just it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out because I really have no idea. I don't know where it's gonna be bad. Like, will the TVA break up? Will they just will it be the dissolution of the TVA? The employees I mean- go on strike. Want to go back to? Want to go back home? How do you think the timekeepers uh, respond to organized labor? <laughs> do you think the timekeepers are lobbying? Do you think they're, uh, you know, the giving money? Former union? <laughs> TVA union? I mean, hey, Frank Sabatka, you know, <laughs> they, need a, they need a union head. Oh, geez. I, I, I mean, how do you think that's going to play out? Because were their minds wiped? Well, no, they weren't wiped because how else would uh, Sylvia have gotten? I think that's what she said. So, like, basically for, you know, she was saying that the reason she could get into the um, TV, I don't remember what her name was. It was like DC 215 or something. But the reason she could get into her head is because she had, you know, memories all the way backed up. Like, and she really loved margaritas. Right. That was basically what what Sylvie said. And so they definitely have, you know, they have a conscious, they have a personality. I don't know what's going to happen though, because once they're, you know, once they figure out what's up, like, are we sure they're going to be able to use their high-tech equipment that they have? Like, you know, they have that that high-tech equipment. They, you know, that thing in the first episode where the lady, you know, basically zaps Loki and he's moving in slow motion. Right. Where he feels it. He's moving at 116 speed, but he feels it at full speed. Like, are they still going to be able to use that stuff? Like, and the timekeepers, they're probably some big, you know, bad villains. So I don't know how it's going to go. I'm assuming that's going to be 
I mean, the timekeepers are the villains. The TVA is the villains. So they're playing it up to be. I mean, know? it's all the signs are pointing that because what else could the villain be? <laughs> it has Unless to be. it's Mephisto. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, I'm putting the clamps on that. No, <laughs> no, they've already what? proven they're not going to do that. So what? You don't think they want to have the uh, the MCU version of the devil in the show? You crazy? I guess not. Other than a stained glass window, they don't. Alex, wrapping up your big winner of episode three. I'll say <laughs> this is tough. I mean, it has to be, I mean, it has to be Loki. He gained information on on how to, like, he didn't fuck up anything in this episode. He showed how strong he could really be by, like, you know, lifting up that whole building. And there's really not a whole lot of other logical winners in this episode. I mean, he gained information on how um, how to enchant, right? Yeah, he gave up information to Sylvie, but, like, how much of that could she really use on him? You know what I mean? Now, did he get drunk and get thrown out of a train? Yes. Yes, he did. Did he fuck who, up the whole plan? Yes. Let he who has not gotten drunk and get thrown, gotten thrown off a train cast the first stone. <laughs> he got he got fucked up and he he fucked the mission up. And, and But, like, I can't say Sylvie was a winner in this episode because she ended up in the exact same damn spot that Loki did. That's fair. So who do you got as the big winner? My big winner is Sophia DiMartino. Because <laughs> it's a good I choice. Never seen her in anything before this. And now I want to go back and watch things she's been in because she was great this episode. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good choice. Well, we already established that my big loser is Natalie Dormer. Yeah. Um, I just want to, we were talking about her earlier. Uh, first Avenger, 2011. Her first uh, season of Game of Thrones, 2012. So. You know, yeah. and um, her one of that was one of her first movie roles. I think that was maybe her second movie role, and was the first Avenger. So they really kind of they they had no way of knowing, but they kind of fumbled the bag. Fumbled at the goal line, folks. <laughs> Who is your big loser, though? My big loser. I had two of them. Loki and Sylvie. <laughs> They're fucked. <laughs> They're not fucked. At least uh, they're not fucked. They're, they appear for now. At least for now. They are giving off the appearances of being fucked. Yes. Yes. So those are my big losers. Um, another great one, Alex. Another great episode in the books. Next week's going to be wild. It is going to be wild. It is absolutely going to be wild. Uh, but it's time to plug Alex shamelessly. So Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. We came out yesterday. We're, we're recording this on Saturday. You're going to be listening to this Monday. So we recorded on Friday, put it out on Friday. Uh, we had a lot to talk about, Zach. Um, so I'll save what we talked the here, probably the thing you want to talk about most to last. We talked about the draft lottery. We talked about um, Ime Udoka and Jason Kidd, the hirings. We talked about the end of the, we talked about how the Jazz and the Sixers both choked more spectacularly. The Jazz did not get enough credit for how badly they choked the end no, of that series. Rudy like, Gobert did, but the team did Go, not. Gobert did. I think Gobert got too much blame. Yes, he deserved blame. I think I think he got too much blame, and I think Simmons got too much blame. Well, Quinn Snyder should have taken him out. Yeah, well, who were they going to put in? Favorite? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem, Zach. Oni? Oni? You're going to put in uh, Elijah Brantley? <laughs> Juwan Morgan? Hell, he might have been better than, you know, I don't know. It just was bad for the, from the Jazz perspective. And then what else are we talking about? We talked about the uh, the conference finals so far. Um, I was a lot higher on the Clippers than everyone else on this network. And also, I basically, we Dylan and I both basically predicted the outcome of game two of Hawks Bucks, which we didn't predict that. We figured the, no. the Bucks would win. 30 points. But, <laughs> I mean, you somehow watched that game longer than I did. I'm like, okay, Liz, I didn't need to watch anymore. I turned it off <laughs> like midway through the third. You somehow were like still watching in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I eventually oh. turned it off and said, I'm playing Spider-Man, but yeah. And then we talked about Rick Carlisle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Zach, you, at worst, Carlisle is a top eight coach. I know you're jubilant about this. I don't think it, 
he got hired on Tuesday, correct? It was Wednesday. It was one of those days. You weren't recording. You weren't on, on with Caleb, and you brought it up in passing on Fast on yeah, Fast Six. I had to bring it up. But what? It, just like give us, you know, your pure unadulterated Carlisle thoughts. Listen, listen. <laughs> well, first off, he got a raw deal the first time he was here because people weren't talking about this enough. They were like, "Well, look, every year he was at the Pacers, they finished worse than the year before." Well. First year he was here, we won 61 games. And lost. He made the conference finals, correct? Yes, lost in the conference finals to the champs. The next year, undoubtedly, would have gone to the finals at least. I think, I mean, my dad and my grandpa always tell me they would have won that year. Had a championship team taken away from him because of 10 minutes of hell in Detroit. And then was working with the remnants of that team for the next two years. And the fact that he even made the playoffs the next year, the fact that he even made the second round of the brawl year is unbelievable because that team was like a skeleton of itself. And then the next year was when the owners were like, you know what? We need a clean image. We need a clean slate. Let's trade everyone. And Carlisle was casualty of that. But I think he's a top five coach. I think if you just look at just top to bottom coaching ability, he's probably the best coach in franchise history. Uh, all respect to Larry Brown and Slick Leonard and Larry Bird, but no respect to Jim O'Brien or Isaiah Thomas, but or Nate Bjorkman. But uh, really, I thought Nate Bjorkman would have been just ahead of Carlisle. <laughs> but Alex, what a one eighty! Like last year, it was probably. I always thought 16-17 sucked just because there were that team was talking like they were going to make the East Finals and then they won 42 games and got swept in the first round. And then last year was probably the worst year for Pacers fans in a long time. Maybe the worst ever because oh god. It was just awful. It was awful. And now it was a complete 180. Because Rick is back, Warren is back, Turner is back. We're going to nail this draft pick because Carlisle has a say in drafts. We're not going to draft Corey Kispert. We're going to draft an actual talent. It's awesome, Alex. All right. I know you don't like Kispert, but let's let's make one thing clear here. He's going to come in and he's going to play for a team next year. Now, whether or not, not for us. Indiana, whether or not that's the Indiana Pacers remains to be seen. Yes, you guys beat um, the Paul Pierce Celtics in the first round. As you're a the six Malice seed. The palace. We're a five seed. Let's see. I believe it doesn't list seeds on basketball reference, but I mean, one of the, I understand why Stern suspended, um, you know, why he suspended our test as long as he did. Steven Jackson got too hard of a punishment. Jermaine O'Neal got too hard of a punishment. He was defending himself. Now, granted, if he hadn't slipped, you would have killed a man. Let's just, yeah. by all accounts, if he hadn't slipped, the man he went to punch would have probably died. <laughs> but um, let's not let's not harp on that too much. Shout out to shout out to Jermaine O'Neal, the best center in Pacers franchise history. Yeah, I mean he has the most All Star games in franchise history. Center, power forward, whatever you want to put him at. But yes, that's if you want a sampling of what Dylan and I talked about last week, and then this week Dylan and I are going to be you know doing the conference finals probably. Suns Clippers might be wrapped up by the time we record next week. Like even if it goes all the way because yeah. of the fucking NBA, <laughs> but we're going to be doing funerals, Zach. We're going to be burying. Ah. going to be burying four. Actually, are we going to bury the play in teams too? Fuck it. We'll bury the play in teams too. And so we're going to, um, you should bury the Mavericks prematurely. Well, the Mavericks, <laughs> the Mavericks have gotten a lot of shit from the power hour the last two weeks. I'll say that. Here's my, my question to you before we go. Can you think of a bigger coaching downgrade in recent memory than Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd? I mean, Nate McMillan to Nate Bjorkren's up there. Yeah. Like, yes, genuinely. It is. It is. But that would hurt. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like trying to make fun of you, Zach. I'm just saying for no, real. Like, I'm just saying that one hurt. <laughs> that is one of the worst ones. Um, but like everyone else? knows Kidd sucks. At least Bjorken was unproven. I think Jock Vaughn's going to get another chance. So Stan Van Gundy to Jock Vaughn is probably a no. Um, 
I mean, David Yeager uh, to Luke Walton. Anyone to Luke Walton. Mike Malone to George Carl. <laughs> I think that's it. Tibbs to Hoiberg. Uh, we made the playoffs under Hoiberg. So, was it great when we got there? No, but we made the playoffs. I mean, is this, it's just everyone knows kid sucks. Everyone. He was really bad in Milwaukee. And um, with that franchise's history of, let's just say, uh, impropriety in the franchise, right. bringing in Jason Kidd, who um, has a history of domestic violence, not the best PR look, I'll say. Jason Kidd, who's been let off the hook for that for literally yeah. 20 years. Yeah, and um, again... I don't need to tell you, just look up Maverick's sexual abuse. You will find plenty on the subject. I'm not going to inform you because I'm not that well informed about it, but this organization might not have been the one to hire Jason Kidd. I'm just saying. No, it's, it's a joke. They're, they're going to suck next year. That's my take. Yeah. Unless they, unless they somehow believe that uh, Kawhi Leonard's going to opt out and go to Dallas, which I hope he doesn't. <laughs> How come Giannis took off? Uh, when Jason Kidd got fired, it's it's a really strange coincidence. <laughs> the only thing Jason Kidd did right in Milwaukee was convincing Giannis not to shoot threes. Yeah, I'll get, that's yeah. literally it. Yeah, because Middleton and Giannis were both special, and they would have been special with or without Jason Kidd. Yes. Well, Alex, whatever day that was this week was an amazing day for me because Carlisle hired Snyder cut. U.S. release date announced. I can't wait. Uh, another another great episode in the books, Alex. Wait, before we go, I have to do the um, the from one young soul to another. Oh, I yes. did on the Power Hour this Let's week. Try. I don't know if you heard it, Zach. It only came. It's been less than, you know. I haven't listened to the whole episode yet. Well, basically, all right. One young soul to another, Zach. You're intimately familiar with this book more than anybody, probably. You edited it. <laughs> Yes. If you don't buy this book, it's $7.50 for the hardcover, $5 for the Kindle edition. I will go to your favorite either cafe or bar and tell them that you left all the terrible Yelp reviews at that place. So you will never be served there again. Now, Zach, I asked good. Dylan, if you only listened to that part of the podcast, would you consider me an emotional terrorist? And he said yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's worth it. I do it for my friend Dylan Hughes. <laughs> buy the book folks buy the book uh, anything else you want to plug no uh, let's just go ahead and get all the linsanity um, you're going to be back on on Monday night so that'll mean uh, three games out of Bucks uh, Clippers or Bucks Hawks and then four games out of Suns Suns Clippers and then JD will be back on midweek um, Battleground we're going to get I want to get something in the works but we have to see I think next week we could be right for a battleground with all these uh, Paul George and Chris Middleton and all this tension. We got a lot of tension in the uh, battleground space right now. I think we just need a pod to let it all out. So I'm, I want something on that front, but I'm not going to demand it. Um, Divine Ryan will have probably two episodes next week. My email has been weird and will sent me the Divine Ryan file from last week, but I never got it until yesterday. So I didn't publish, I didn't publish it. So that sucks, but uh, that'll be out at the same time as this one. And then another one probably later in the week, Sturgill Simpson for those interested. And then uh. triple option pass Ryan's moving to sun Prairie. So we're going to wait till he's all settled in. Shout out to Ryan. Um, but once he's all settled in, we'll have a shoulda cut a what up for you. And I believe that's all our shows on the network. Oh, and uh, facts and stats with JD and Dana dorks with DJ. Oh, and then what do you got coming up on cinema? Furious 7 next week with myself, Devin, and Bryce. Uh, one of the three movies that made me shed a tear. I mentioned that last week on Fast 6. I put it out as the clip. It was too good not to use. <laughs> um, and then hopefully next weekend uh, at the earliest, Boys in the Hood 30th anniversary with JD mm. and his brother Jamal, along with spotlighting the movie uh, that they will be releasing I believe over the summer. So that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. So yes. thanks for having me on Zach. Pleasure as always. And as always, thanks for listening.